Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. This week, the story is about the thing that gives a Jedi his power. An energy field created by all living things that surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together. We're talking, of course, about the Force. And perhaps, helpfully, um, it's a little bit ill-defined, the Force in Star Wars. Uh, We hear it described, we witness it used in all sorts of different ways, but it's still hard for most, um, even the most passionate fans, to, to fully grasp what it is because of how complex it is as a narrative mechanic. So this week, as we count down, our top six favorite uses of the Force in Star Wars, our favorite moments in which it's used or it occurs, uh, we're involving an additional two panelists on the podcast. Uh, Jason and Michael are two childhood best friends with whom we played Star Wars in the front lawn for countless hundreds of hours. Uh, Jace, you're new to Recorder 66. Can you recall the first time you watched Star Wars when you first saw it and it seemed special and you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to love this forever? Um, I, I can't recall the exact moment, but I do think the furthest memory I have was growing up with you guys and, and being on the front lawn and episode one, because that's kind of when I, I came into, I didn't do the, the in the proper way. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, episode one and, and fighting and everything you saw when you're that age could be related to Star Wars, a stick on the ground or a broomstick or a gun or a, anything. And that's kind of what my, you know, as far as back as I could think. So that's why I don't buy into the prequel hate, because generationally, how could I when it was what? what brought us all in yeah, together at yeah. the same time. Uh, Michael, this is your third time joining us for the pod. Why do you think we feel so compelled to continue this discussion? Why do we, for our whole lives, debate and litigate the inner workings of Star Wars? Oh, I think, again, it comes down to generational. I mean, these are significant movies we we grew up with. Uh, they have such an impact on you when you're that age. And it's it's not just the the action part that you look forward to as a kid, but... You know, back then, now it looks kind of hokey, like the the effects and stuff. But back then, when you see these different computer animation and stuff that we never had seen before, it, I don't think we thought of it back then as be, looking bad. We kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it, it's a story, too. I mean, kids love a good adventure story. I'm not even sure it's just being a kid. I think that we see movies now, or we saw movies 10 years ago when we weren't kids that now don't really hold up and we didn't notice until now. It's just like the world, because adults saw Star Wars in the 70s and it didn't occur to them mm-hmm. that some stuff didn't work until after the well, fact. that's true. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that's true too. I think from uh, growing up with them, you see them as a different light when you're younger mm. and you say, oh, battle scene, for me, battle scenes and action and cool toys and different technologies. And now you see it as from an adult and you're like, there's actually a deeper meaning and there's more of a st- real story here and everything else is really cool. But if you start unpeeling and folding back the layers, you're like, this is something. Yeah. That's yeah, right. there's so much symbolism in Star Wars, and it doesn't mean that what the symbol actually that we're seeing on the screen is any less. It just means that it was designed to pique your interest as a child, and then no matter how your age, uh, it can continue to grow as you grow older, or, or you can find interest in it even as an older person. And I think that's something that's really great is the fact that you can see Star Wars in a bunch of different lights, and the things that, like you said, Michael, the things that you can kind of look over maybe... Um, back in back in the day at, at the same time we didn't have as much content to compare and so there really there as much as some things may have looked hokey uh even some of the things that um 
didn't age very well in by by the time the 80s came around were still like groundbreaking for the time and then there were some things that were just like man you needed that budget for empire strikes back when it came back <laughs> after the the matte art paint that was used to do crowds in a new hope and so many other things but uh and then that once again just adds to the extra um i guess lived in atmosphere that makes us love star wars because it just feels so real yet so um awesome well you make a good point because a lot gets made out of this lore that george lucas had the foresight to wait uh, a few generations to actually put out the movies that he anticipated would require a different style of technology at least mm. that's the legend of why he did the prequels afterward it's very much the case as to, and that very much the case as to why uh what we believe he would have done with the sequel trilogy going into the 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 microbiotic and the, the the deep understanding of the wills of the force um it makes even more sense that you would require another technical level to do that and sure. to be able to explore something that's even more um theoretical and hard to grasp you need so much technology to be able to do that so it feels like lucas really planned those three uh trilogies based on technology capability in the order but to what jason said about these stories actually having some meat and being I mean, they're fundamental stories, right? The hero's journey. These are like biblical Shakespearean kind of arcs mm. for characters. Don't you think the prequels could have been done in reverse? What I mean, obviously, it would look very different, and that's a fun thing to to kind of consider. <laughs> that is a really fun way to imagine if it was done the other way. Yeah, I don't think it would work at all. Okay, uh, I think there would be uh, a level of camp that uh, doesn't necessarily align the same ways. When you look at somebody like uh, Tarkin. Um, picture Tarkin, and, and we actually had this conversation recently, actually all of us, uh, with the, and I don't think we discussed it on here, but the mid-Atlantic accent. Uh, Tarkin is somebody who uh, is really representing a level of authority, and there's nothing comical about Tarkin. Uh, but if you bring Tarkin into the prequel era, he becomes a much more Shakespearean character. Uh, and during the time period, if you're trying to portray that, it's going to blend too much with old-style Shakespeare and not enough with this modern sci-fi. The grunge element of the original trilogy, the, the lived-in fact of the fact that Darth Vader is speaking the way he is, but it's through a mask, so it's able to be hidden. You don't have Anakin Skywalker in that kind of stilted way. Anakin Skywalker would have aged very poorly, uh, in my opinion, from the 70s. The way Luke doesn't age great. He's seen as whiny. Anakin would be that on roids. And so I think the, the prequels... And George Lucas... Uh, the main one of the main reasons as to why he wanted to do Revenge of the Sith so late, he ultimately never ended up being able to accomplish. And the goal was to have these massive seven wars occurring simultaneously throughout the film. Uh, and then he ultimately had to scrap it because he had like a six hour film on his hands. And so hmm. I'll ask you, Ross, the question I always ask you, uh, what did you find especially challenging about this particular theme? We're talking about our favorite uses of the force or favorite moments in which the force occurs in Star Wars. Why was this different for you? This was an interesting one uh, in part because there were some that stood out with just slap you in the face ease. It, it was very, very easy, certain parts of it. Um, but then when I got past my my top couple, uh, there were dozens I could have chosen to, to round out my five or six. Uh, and then there's some where it's a matter of, okay, you're using a similar force power here, but okay, what are you gonna value? The, the use case in the moment uh, how it impacted the character. 
um, the, the, the impact it has on the film as an overall. There's so many of those things that I had to consider. Um, and I still found it very, very, very difficult. And I think I left some really, really great ones in the honorable mentions category. So I think that uh, is very encouraging for an episode where we get to have four lists of six to potentially be able to highlight up to 24 amazing moments because that's a lot better than 12. I'm going to agree with that. Like the more you, we, more I prepped and, and kind of went through each episode and say, okay, well, these are the ones that you think that would be number one, number two, number three. But as soon as you started opening those doors, you're like, wait a second, there's several different ways to look at what are the top six force moments. And, and I agree with you, Ross. Yeah. I thought the same. Once you, I, I found once I had um, about three down immediate that stand out. Yeah. The next three were really hard. <laughs> it was mm. really hard. But you knew with a bullet, what was your number one? Like that wasn't... Um, yes. I, I would say my top two to three were relatively very easy. Okay. Um, but I, I definitely struggled when I got down to like five and six. So we don't really have a whole lot of uh, rules or guidelines this evening like we sometimes do. We're going to take turns counting backwards from six discussing our favorite moments from Star Wars in which the force occurs or happens, is used, is evident in the scene in some way. You'll state your selection. You can say a few words about why you chose it, why it matters to you. Um, we should try not to linger too, too much because as Ross said, we've got potentially 24 things to get to. Um, very likely we'll have a, a little bit of overlap because some kind of seem like essential things to mention. But um, if somebody mentions your selection in an earlier slot than you planned to mention it, if you ranked it higher, uh, simply raise a finger, send a signal. We'll save the larger discussion for when it's your turn. As I said, it's very likely we're going to have some overlaps. Uh, it's uh, If it's okay, I thought I would begin, and then we would go to Michael, and then to Ross, and then to Jason. Is that an okay order with you guys? Perfect. It's a perfect order. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my sixth favorite moment from Star Wars is the stopping of a blaster shot midair with your hand. This occurs in the first few minutes of The Force Awakens. It's going to come up on someone else's list uh, a little down the road, and so we can save the greater discussion for uh, when that happens. Michael, do you want to go to your number six? Uh, that's a great, great one, actually. Oh, it um, is. You know, no, I agree with you. Yours is a great one, uh, but <laughs> my number six uh, really difficult. Um, but one thing that was unique that we had never seen before um, in the Yoda and Count Dooku battle was the absorbing. Um, and deflecting of force lightning we had seen force lightning before but the absorbing and deflecting of force lightning is a different force power that we'd never seen before and i thought that that was a, a great demonstration of you know just the, the depths of the force and the knowledge and the power and the skills you can you can reach but you know everyone sees force light force lightning and thinks you know, it's an unbeatable mm -hmm. unless you can you know you have a lightsaber or you you got a force field or whatever um, there's, there's nothing you can do. Well, it turns out there are ways, there are things you can do, and we get to see that. So I thought that was my number six. Ross, correct me if I'm wrong, but in that same sequence a few minutes earlier, Obi-Wan deflects it with his lightsaber, and we've never even seen that at that point, right? Yeah, he absorbs it with his with his lightsaber, lightsaber and, yeah. and that's okay. and, and it's, it's interesting because then the next episode we see Mace Windu deflecting it back. Um, but yeah, it, it's an awesome one. It was on my honorable mentions. Both the ones you you said, guys just said were on my honorable mentions. And it's really great because you get to see Yoda. And that, that particular scene, I think the, the biggest power from that scene comes from the fact that, um, well, it's, it's such a stupid 
I don't know why he uses his fucking lightsaber because the power from that scene comes from absorbing the lightning and then holding down the ceiling from caving in. It's just Yoda being on the, he's being so defensive that he then pulls out his lightsaber and goes on the offensive, which I don't like, but it's such a defensive move, which is then the complete antithesis of this aggressive force lightning. Uh, and I think that's so powerful. And then it's great to see uh, kind of things be kind of flipped back when uh, Yoda really kind of absorbs and pushes things back in revenge. And so it's built on there again. But I think that's a really great one. Uh, and once again, another instance of um, a, a movie bringing the force up another level, elevating it with new powers and capabilities, but nothing that's outrageous or unbelievable we talked on the pod a lot um jason about ross's particular affinity for yoda yep. I, I seem to remember you also were quite fond of yoda in particular in the prequels yeah yeah i think he was kind of that mysterious you you know everyone talks about him and he, he was this great warrior and like all you know he was the jedi council leader and and uh you never really get to see much action mm. and this is kind of the first i still remember being in the theaters and yoda walks in and the whole cinema just explodes in applause and it, that was a really cool moment so i think i was right on board with that so yeah he's the quintessential cute old man yeah yoda okay ross it's time for your number six uh my number six is one uh, i had a lot of deliberations so for me it was a really strong and clear top five uh the number one was immediate uh two through five kind of moved around a little bit but then i really spent a long time on six uh and in the end i went with something uh similar to uh to last week's episode dipping my toe uh into the the smaller screen uh and that would be the moment in which a completely completely defeated mandalorian holds up a knife and is gonna get his ass kicked until his little green friend decides to levitate a mudhorn, holding him up in the air, showing that 50-year-old baby, nature versus nurture, now nature's gonna make him protect this guy. And he's gonna lift up the mudhorn, Mando's gonna stick it in and kill it, they're gonna form their family off of that. But not only does he protect him, then knocks him out. He gets so tired, he has to fall asleep. It's such a cute, cute, cute little moment. It is. It is the very best. And that one's going to come up in someone else's list very shortly. Uh, Jason, you're number six. My number six. So, like, just to comment when I, I spoke quickly about before as we were thinking about what are the top six started opening doors i'm always a big action guy so i always go my head always goes to the fight scenes but then i have to so that's kind of where i started and then i had to start reevaluating what i was my thought process and where i was coming in so i went number six was the um kind of the first fight scene that you see luke come back as with kylo ren oh, on the yeah. salt flats and kind of you know just first time you see him come back and and it kind of really stuck with me it, six was hard i agree with you ross there's so many you're at the end of it but you're so many uh there's so much going on so well we're gonna have a whole lot of overlap in this list <laughs> there's a couple of good answers that's the problem uh okay whose turn is it my my turn i guess yep okay well ross now it's a good time to talk about the mudhorn then because that's yeah that's the one that uh that i kind of slipped in from the from the small screen as well. You can finish your thoughts, everything you love about that uh, no, I mean, exciting and, moment. And that's the thing. Well, this is this is potentially going to get uh, very, very messy when we get with our <laughs> orders going on here, especially seeing <laughs> as it was only one away on our lists. We do a little bit of the rope around. Maybe that's how we want to do it. If it's just within one, we can maybe keep going. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the mud horn, it's just such a great moment. And it really is what spurs the entire journey of that season on. Uh, and it's what makes us fall in love with this little character. I mean, I love the entire episode. He's trying to heal Mando, but this is the one instance in which 
Um, the Mandalorian has, he's not asking for help. There's no instance of help. It's just the force has, the force knows that this is a guy who's going to protect uh, this little creature. And then the force is telling this little creature, this guy's protecting you. You don't, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. He is, he's going to sell you out, but the force is telling him, no, things will work out in the right way. Protect this guy and he'll protect you back. And then baby Yoda just kind of trusting in that. And it's just, it's such a nice element to their, of their relationship and the fact that it spurs things on and it's this trust. And he didn't know he was my enemy uh, when he helped me sort of thing. And it really adds to that extra guilt that Din feels, but ultimately is the reason as to why he adopts little baby Yoda. So I'm just so glad that they didn't make us wait an eternity for this reveal about baby Yoda. We meet him at the end of the first episode of that show. And then this sequence with the Mudhorn happens in the second episode of the show. And so as soon as you see him, having seen so little of this particular species, you're inclined to believe probably he's force sensitive, maybe tremendously force sensitive. Um, but you don't know for sure until you actually see him do something hella powerful mm -hmm. as an infant. And so it's really gratifying that they give us that right away. Mm. They answer our questions. And plus, it's just the start of this great new age Star Wars friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Hugely important. And uh, a classic force power, uh, a little bit of telekinesis, uh, force push, force pull, and force grip. I used, uh, I did a little, any research to determine what the actual force skills being used were in my list. And the force push, pull, grip um, all kind of fall into that telekinesis category. And so grip would be, I guess, what you would say, because he's just holding them there in place. Michael, number five. My number five is um, actually from episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. Um, the Kylo and Rey with the Graflex. Okay. Um, I think that may come up again later. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, again, it's it's an introduction to a component of the Force that we have never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, it's something also that's done in a way on screen that at first you don't really know what's going on. And then it's it's just kind of like Kylo just pulls this pulls it out from behind his back, and you're like, oh, okay, that was pretty cool. And then it shows, you know, I guess that comes with being a, what they say, you know, a dyad in the Force is that you have that special connection. So I don't know if that's something that every Jedi can do, unless it is a dyad in the Force. But again, it's it's a new skill that we don't see. Do we know? Do we uh, want to just get talking into this one now? Sure. Is it coming up in your list soon? Yeah, I just made that wave, but it's coming up pretty soon, so we can do it okay. now. Okay, we can do the conversation now. What, yeah. How, how rare is a dyad in the Force? Is this a one-of-a-kind thing? Hasn't Once in a generation. Hasn't, hasn't, not for generations. Uh, it, there is no good information on what a dyad in the Force is. Uh, to answer your question, yes, that is the only way in which they're able to pass things. Uh, it is The first instance of it is Kylo grabbing... Well, the first instance of it is Kylo um, experiencing the rain from Octo. Uh, oh, yes. in The Last yeah. Jedi. Uh, we're talking about the moment in which uh, Rey goes to strike down Palpatine and then she just, oh, Graflex is no longer in her hand and I'm going to make a big discernible correction there. It is a Rey and Ben moment, not a Rey and Kylo moment. Yeah, fair uh, enough. And then Ben Solo finally gets this, the Graflex, the lightsaber that was just completely the force was like fuck you you do not get to have this lightsaber <laughs> and we'll give it to a scavenger who is literally the offspring of like your family's grand enemy because you are bastardizing the skywalker name 
but finally he's there to to do good and do the the force's will and then they were able to kind of share that moment and it's such a cool moment it's such a great way to introduce a new thing in the force he's totally down and out you get that amazing bow uh, it is such a such a cool scene, and easily um, that, along with the the moment that we we get Ben back in his shared scene with with Han, those are easily the two best moments from that movie. Um, but when it comes to a quick five second little bit that uh, you could watch the gif of the Ben Solo bow and pulling out that lightsaber time and time again, those nights of render completely fucked. Oh yeah, and and <laughs> and also followed by I think what I've seen online is the Han Solo shrug. Yes, the the bow shrug of just like, well, this shouldn't have worked, but you guys are so screwed now. There is nothing you have. And this was right after he also does the shoot behind his back like his dad. Uh, It's just, it's a great moment. Um, It's them finally coming together. And then right after they do the two blades up next to each other, it's, it's awesome. Hang on, Michael, do you think that that was like a physical decision by Adam Driver, the way he does that shrug, like to mirror the famous Han Solo shrug? Do you think that that was like a physicality actor's choice? What? Yes. Really? Oh my God, that was absolutely in the script. Do you not think it was? It was definitely from Han in Return of the Jedi. I would bet it was probably written in. Okay. Yeah. All right. It'd be interesting if it wasn't. It'd be very interesting. it, It definitely, I would be, if it wasn't written in, it was because Adam Driver's good at his job. He also mm-hmm. wouldn't let stunt people come in because he was so um, particular, prote- uh, protective or particular, okay. yeah, over the movement of Kylo Ren and how it, once again, it changes so much when he becomes Ben Solo and he wants to have that kind of protection there. Uh, but yeah, it mirrors Han's uh, moment in Return of the Jedi. And it's just like, seriously, troopers? Like, what? We This should not work so well. It's interesting. I, I, I see that as like a fun Easter egg. I didn't, necessarily think for sure that it was obviously a choice but it does make sense that he has recently become a solo again and he's Takes his, on this Carol- it's a, it's a yeah. great choice he's his father's son again and so i, I guess mm. I, I think I, the only reason i'm a little held up is that the the motions are not identical to me and the attitude of them is not identical one is like mm. kylo ren's is still much more aggressive he's in a battle stance whereas han solo is like uh, who cares yeah hans is a little bit more mocking of the empire whereas i think ben's is a little bit more of Sorry, guys, you're just going to get completely decimated here. You guys had a chance when I didn't have a lightsaber, but you're fucked. Yeah, and, and with I'm, your, stands, I'm your boss, and like I'm on my best, and I'm weaponized now against you guys with your like stupid axes and shit. Good luck. Yeah, and with with battle stance, I mean he is a, he is a trained fighter, whereas Han, I wouldn't say, is a trained fighter. Sure. He's going to come out with a more, you know, smoothed over, polished attack stance because he's been trained mm. somewhat so i mean it kind of makes sense yeah a little bit of a just a, just a hair of prequel flair in there with a little bit of the way that the jedis move and this the smoothness that comes with the uh the the battle movement Ross, yeah. was that your number five that was my number four so it did skip over one for me but that's fine um so but we it, can go to your number five it's your turn oh it is my number yeah, yeah it is yeah. my turn so yeah. that, that is yeah. good my number five so uh my number five is actually one that none of you guys know of uh, and so we do have a little bit more of a kind of a, a description but uh it's from uh rebels star wars rebels and the the tv show and it is one of the most significant moments uh in star wars uh canon and of the force uh, and what it means uh and descriptions of it but uh it's a moment called uh when ezra the main character enters the world between worlds uh, and i've mentioned it a lot in the show before uh, it's a ribbon of the force that connects reality and time 
uh, of virgin scatter uh, and the netherworld of the unbeing. It's a mystical plane within the force that serves as a collection of doors and pathways existing between time and space, linking all moments in time together. Uh, it is essentially the space-time continuum entry points. Uh, it's a, it's very much um, the the force being kind of laid out. It's it's a it's like a, you enter a, he enters like a force tomb per se, um, and Palpatine does some trickery to try and follow him in. Um, and while he's in there, he he notices points throughout space and time. Uh, and he ultimately he rescues Ahsoka from uh, her battle with Vader, um, and ultimately pulls her into a different timeline, which puts her becoming into like Ahsoka the White, uh, allowing her to become an elevated level of a Force being, kind of, which is something interesting that we'll look into a little bit more. Uh, but it's just this very interesting uh, analysis of the way the Force works and how it's it's not about the Jedi making their decisions to do what they want, uh, and it's not about everything necessarily being destined, uh, but it does show uh, a connection and the Force's will in a really interesting way. And so uh, it's something that I, I, I recommend people looking into, just doing like a little watch of a video just to kind of see how um, it talks about the Force, but it's, it's a very, very abstract and unique way um, of looking at the Star Wars world, and I think it was really important the way to kind of open that up. It tells you a lot about... Um, Palpatine's exploration into the dark side and how you can corrupt the force uh, and just different ways in which you could potentially find your way back from the dead. Uh, that blue kind of aura that comes up um, from the, the pit when that Palpatine falls down in Return of the Jedi, yep. um, that is kind of Easter egg revealed to be uh, him likely going into the world between worlds to then shift over, likely entering Exegol. He likely, it, it, it's it's likely a doorway that he installed um, to allow him to escape from said scenario. Uh, almost like a little bit of teleportation, but through the force and space and time. And so A little it, bit refusing to leave office. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. There's some well, comparisons there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that makes Rise of Skywalker even darker, but that yeah. did have a happy ending. He melted himself, so we'll wait and see. Do you guys have a relationship to the Clone Wars TV show or the Rebels no, TV and, show? No, uh, that was going to, the first thing that came to mind, I have homework to do. Yeah. 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 Well, this is one that's, it's a really interesting one, and it, 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 it it's very confusing if you don't necessarily know the context, but it's very confusing even if you do know the context. Okay. Uh, and it's one of those things that opens a fun can of worm for, worms for Star Wars um, in a way that is solvable and was done by Dave Filoni. And so it's got the George Lucas checkmark in the way that it uh, of its understanding of the Force. And so uh, there's still more to be learned about the world between worlds. Uh, and, uh, and that's one of the things that I'm so excited about it because it does open up such a, an interesting can of worms with the Force. Time travel is a possibility in this arena, right? Absolutely. Oh, that is a can mm. of worms. Yep. Now, possible, yes. Uh, how it would work? No sweet clue. And that's the interesting... Because like Ahsoka, when she travels through the world between worlds, she is removed from her previous instance. Mm -hmm. She, like, is not in existence for, like, a few years. There's, I think, a two-year period where Ahsoka just doesn't exist in the universe. Okay. She just, like, skips time. And Michael, a second ago, he referred to her as Ahsoka the White, which is not literally her name. He's referring to Gandalf. You're the resident Gandalf expert. Do you know how long Gandalf was gone? 
You know what? I don't. I probably it's, did. It's so like that, point. though. It's so yeah. like that. It's a very, very akin presentation. And her return, she comes in a fully white cloak with a staff. So it is super dead. Gandalf. But I think, weren't you, Jace was saying the other day, how long did the journey last in Middle Earth? It was 40 days? 44 days or something. Oh, I, don't it? quote me on that. Okay. But this is, if it's I'm, Jesus-y, it was 40 I, yeah, I don't know. I don't so, know. If that's the but, case, he wouldn't have been gone for very long. No, but, not really. I mean, who knows? Took a long weekend at worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason, your number five, please. My number five. Um, we might have touched on this. My terminal, my Star Wars terminology is not up, so I may have missed some some of these cues. Okay. Um, and mine, my order is based off of, I'm just kind of refreshing what I said earlier today, um, is not based off of an overall best force moment in the star wars world it's just what meant the top yeah. best for me absolutely and that were sig- you know signature moments for me when watching the movies uh my number five is the um connection between ray and kylo ren when they can swap things back and forth yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, same as michael and i okay so yeah nice. that's well, just that i didn't know what the terminology was but that's the yeah, when the, in luke's hut and then again when she's in his quarters and the shatters and he knew knows where she is so that's that was it more the last jedi then for you that that was the one that really kind of stood out the way that their bond kind of the conversation part of it like the force time almost yeah yeah, exactly. yeah that was it was yeah. really interesting the way that that just kind of came out of nowhere and was just seems so right because they had such good chemistry yeah yeah well and it's it's interesting as well because you claim to be somebody who gravitates towards the action Mm -hmm. and michael's example was strictly action-based but so much of what happens between them in the last jedi is just good theater it's just two people having like a compelling uh dialogue and i tend to agree with you i think that that's like a really powerful way to relate these two characters who honestly share almost no screen time in the whole trilogy yes they have some confrontations mm. in all three movies but. but it's such a good way for them to connect without being in the same play like from a writer's perspective like they're very close but they're mm. not yeah and you've got a very interesting in way. way yeah yeah uh, ross and i were discussing how they manage that chemistry like uh sure if you're like recording an episode of the simpsons or something you can just phone in your lines and they'll mash it all together but like to get such a solid performance and a chemical performance from daisy ridley and adam driver are they like off stage like helping them through each other's lines do you yeah. think it seems oh, yeah. like they must think, have I, to be i think they're sitting across one another when they're filming and they're doing that scene they have to be yeah i think they must be yeah like the, the connection's so real that it's like they're face to face anyway and i think that might be the case so uh, going back to something you said a, a second ago, I think this was yours, Jason. Um, my number four is a, a similar use of the same power, also in The Last Jedi, uh, Luke's astral projection at the end, but we're going to come up with that uh, <laughs> a few minutes down the road. I mean, it's a good one. Open up a big discussion. It's not surprising. It's on a lot of people's lists. It's a it's a very, very good one. Michael, you're number four. Number four, um, basically, uh, go back to A New Hope. Um, it's fairly simple. Um, just the Vader choke. Mm-hmm. A classic. Um, it's a classic. It's a, it's a, it's an evil use of the force. Um, you kind of get to see, you know, not all things are good. It can do bad things and, and you can kill people. I mean, <laughs> yep. it's not always rosy. So it, it also the fact that, um, in that scene, um, you see, Vader uses his hand, but then 
you don't he doesn't stay using his hand he walks around the room still being able to to use the force and control what's going on so it shows it's not just a a hand movement that needs to be done it's all very much in your mind and what you that you can control without you don't even have to be looking at the person he was walking all around the room right um and just releases him without even looking you know as as you wish and it's it's done well and mm. later on he does it to a guy like over zoom like the guy's not even in the room <laughs> and he manages to do it which is terrifying does that mean he could just choke any one of us at any time right now probably do you know anything about that ross what, yeah, what are he, the he, extents he would, of what are the parameters need, of his power he would need to be communicating with the individual okay uh, and so communicating with the individual in some way shape or form or seeing them uh there's a really like insanely insanely cool moment in the book lords of the sith where he comes face to face uh in like a, he's in a tie fighter and they're in another ship and he's face to face with rebels and they think they're okay because they're in a ship and he just standing there looking across through the like the front windshield starts closing their windpipes Oh my mm. god! And it's just like they don't know what's going on. They can't figure it out. And it's just—he's just so insanely menacing. And the way that like you reach out with the force, you're reaching out metaphorically. And like, of course, Luke does the stupid—the thing in Last Jedi with the little uh, palm frond and tickling Ray's hand. Oh, I can feel it! I can feel it! I can feel it! Um, but it's—it's it's interesting because they're reaching out. Uh, invaders, it's so habitual because it's not even his hand. Mm. He's never literally ever reaching out. And so people often are f physically reaching out because their mind is just, if they're focusing enough on the force, their body's going to follow what their mind does. And so they're physically going to reach out the same way that they're mentally trying to reach out. Yeah. Uh, and so Vader's case, he doesn't even need to do that. But even when he does it, it's, he does this mocking, like, like showing you something that's really small, like, oh, how big's an inch? Oh, it's about this big. And it's just like, he's just he's just using just like two little fingers just to destroy you. Uh, and like, he listens to Tarkin, like you said, he lets him go and like, Vader, you and your sorcerer ways. And they're just like, they're mocking him. But at the same, at the end of the day, he has all the cards. Yes. And that is just what Darth Vader is. Yeah. And, and also a side note, who is that guy? You Monty. and your sorcerer ways. Like, <laughs> Like, I know the freaking... Yeah, like the the one outspoken guy who thinks he can just get away with everyone else is so solemn faced. Yeah, <laughs> have you new. not have you not heard of this guy before? Like, do you <laughs> do you know what you're doing right now? Yeah. Who is At, this guy? <laughs> Admiral Mahdi, I believe it is Mahdi, and he's got a bad haircut. Yes, he does. He looks like a monkey. <laughs> is the first person he ever force chokes Padme, his wife? Uh, Anakin. Yeah, Anakin. Um, probably force chokes some people at the Jedi Temple. Um, based on yeah. what we see there might be some kind of like weird uh, psychological Freudian thing about why it's his favorite way to to demand power of somebody he has this like kind of crazy history of the last time he saw well it was terrible because he thinks he killed her doing it that's right um, so it's weird that he would continue to do that almost well he likes killing people he does but he doesn't like he didn't like that he killed Padme he doesn't no. he's not very happy with himself about that that's why he kind of commits to Darth Vader <laughs> Uh, so, Michael, that was your number four, correct? That was number four. And we've done your number three, Ross? No, we've done my number four. We've done Ross's four. We've done, so now we'll go to Jason for his number four. All right. My number four, um, open up some more doors here. Uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan being struck down. Oh, nice. Okay. So I, I think it's kind of the first big time that you see a Jedi being struck down. Mm -hmm. And there's more to this life 
in the force world and that he takes that on himself to move on to the next level or to the next mm-hmm. world or what have you and and uh just really stuck out for me i think it's a it's a crucial scene and it's one of those times that you as a kid you watch it and even now you watch it and you're like whole oh. you get mm-hmm. shivers watching it so that was my number four and it's not gruesome it's so graceful it's clean and compared it's... to you know in the prequels when we see jedi get killed and that doesn't happen like qui-gon just gets brutalized well, and now obi-wan is just this graceful just disappearance explain why that is he's becoming one with the force uh his physical body he's ready to become one with the force only he and yoda ha- are completely ready once they die physically to become one with the force and that's why they have such peaceful deaths so is that so only when you are ready to be one is when that can happen yes exactly and they're the only ones and luke uh later is one of those and leia becomes at peace when ben eventually um becomes at peace and so she's able to die then um but qui-gon uh did not fully learn uh all of the the ways to be able to and he was the first jedi to learn how to become a retain your consciousness beyond uh the physical realm the Uh, first ever the first ever yeah really yeah and so he was one that he was so uh he believed so much in prophecies, uh, and uh, he spoke with Yoda, and Yoda sent him a little bit on an exploration journey, and he discovered a lot of things, and they they shared that information with one another, and Yoda then explored more and uh, got uh, Obi-Wan to learn from Qui-Gon, um, and then in some ways, Luke, I'm sure, he passed it on to him, and, uh, and Obi-Wan and uh, Yoda were able to almost will Anakin's consciousness um, into the other side of the force and also because he was created by the force it also probably made it a little bit easier uh this was a tough one for me because it was like how do you merge that and then the notion of uh i'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine right. and then yoda smites down the tree in the last jedi beyond the grave like there were so many of those things that were coupled together for me that i was just like i love them all i, c- I couldn't really pick out it was yeah. one uh but i agree with you it's so important because then it also um opens the door for force ghosts which is another incredible element of the force and i guess that's what he means when he says i'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine right i'll be dead but i'll still be me yes and that and and that's the thing and it is more powerful than vader could ever imagine because that's the whole reason vader goes to the dark side is so that he could do what obi-wan does and obi-wan lets him do it to him he's like (laughs) vader's like oh yeah i'm gonna spend my entire life trying to not die and then Obi-Wan, the guy he wants to kill the entire time, says, hey, what? Kill me, Vader. I can do what you can't. This is one of those amazing moments in the podcast where Ross blows my mind into a million pieces. And it's just never occurred to me that you're right. The whole thing about Sith, in particular Palpatine and then Vader. Anakin, is immortality. And the Jedi had it all along. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, that's the true poetic nature. And I want to say that's why it was my number four. <laughs> but it's not. But well, that makes it my number four. <laughs> well, that was the reason why I couldn't put it for for really any of them was because I felt it was it, it was true. so many moments that came together that it just it, it makes the Force what it is. But then again, that's what this entire thing is. It's right. just there's so many wonderful elements of the Force that when you, the fact that we're picking out six here. It doesn't really matter. We could pick out any six of the honorable mentions and they'd make an awesome list. What have you lost when you've been struck down? Even if you are able to become one with the force and you're able to return to your loved ones and you're still able to call down lightning and strike trees and stuff, you, you have lost your physical form. Are you any less? Well, we don't know the full capability. Can you come to somebody who doesn't have the force? 
or can, can you continue on your your missions and your duties and execute what you were trying to do when well, you're that's when you're the a thing. ghost? You, what you do is you're still fulfilling the will of the force because you did it in life, um, and so your decisions to your decisions beyond death will be the same as what the force would do. So your influence on the world. Uh, the, the physical world is the same influence that the force would have anyway. And so it is the force uh, allowing itself to be embodied in that regard. So your own agency that you may have, like wanting to go like help a friend, there's, there's reasons as to why that like Obi-Wan couldn't go help Luke in that same capacity. Um, we don't really fully know what happened with Rey on Exegol and why she was able to kind of have the Jedi be with her and whatever that means. Um, but... And perhaps that's a, t a teaching we don't know. Well, exactly. And then there's it was from the old text. And it, to be honest, the 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 actual answer is it was uh, horribly planned uh, and quite literally, I think the last thing that was done in the movie. Quite literally, I believe the that was the very very end. There's a couple of points in which you can see that it was likely one of the last reshoots. That the whole "be with me" thing is the very last thing they decided, and it it does. It's not very consistent with the rest of um becoming one with the force but that's okay because i'm sure someone will explain it in a way that does make it work something we know for sure about when you become a force ghost is you can still sit on a log <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well and for the longest time we we thought that was it until we saw yoda actually be able to influence the physical world so mm. how much more can a force ghost do like but that, what, what that the goes limits? back that goes back to ross's point i think too is which opens my eyes even more is that if you're a forest ghost you've done everything mm. that you need to do in the physical world and now you're moving on to a whole nother world that you have stuff to that you know you're you're opens up that whole other yeah and i, I would say because uh you're acting on as like um you're acting as an agent of the force i do believe uh, i don't know if uh, if uh if if poe were with ray on tatooine i don't think she sees luke i don't think he sees luke and leia Mm. I don't think he sees those force ghosts. I think that's something that is to a degree also you have to be a force user to yeah. to be able to kind of see that. That just That's just in my head the way I kind of view it, but that also may not be the case. But I kind of saw it as like an inside thing between Luke and Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin in Return of the Jedi. Like, hey, kid. And nobody else is kind of in there. Well, for my they, number three, you can't just see them all in the sky. <laughs> my number three, I'm going to stick with the theme of old Ben Kenobi. Uh, this is like the first instance of a cool guy being smooth with the Force. <laughs> Heroes arrive in Anchorhead. Ben Kenobi tells some stormtroopers, "You don't need his. You don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for." Most famously, he can go about his business, move along. In fact, it's these like four stilted. Uh, instructions. We really just know this scene for its one line, one of those four lines that's certainly most iconic, maybe one of the most iconic Star Wars lines of all time. Together, these four lines create like so much, a tremendous amount mm. of curiosity about Ben Kenobi and what the Force is capable of, who this weird wizard is, what's going on. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more down the road, but uh, I, I just think it's like it, it sets up such an interesting amount of curiosity for what the Force can do. Mm. Uh, Michael, number three, please. Number three, uh, briefly touched on by you uh, earlier, 
Kylo stopping the blaster bolt. Love it. I mean, it's got it's got to be one of those moments where you, we've we've all probably been thinking, why couldn't they just do that? Mm-hmm. Well, and then we finally well, see this happen. I think we did it when we were playing Star Wars as kids. Yes, well, our we did. force power, we I'd, could do that. I'd like to point out as well, Darth Vader does do it in Cloud City when they enter, and he's like, right. here, he holds he up his hand. The only away. difference is he doesn't stop the bullet or the blaster he's, shot in midair; it just bounces off his hand, and then he takes away Han Solo's gun. Mm. So it's a similar thing. Thing, but it is cooler when Kylo Ren does it. Yes, yeah. but that is kind of a cool thing in the fact that it's it's the only interaction between uh, his his father and his grandfather, uh, and he's kind of merging the the two points there. Oh, cool! Ooh, that's a nice point. Yeah, yeah, but no, it is such a badass moment, and it was one that uh, you and I, Colin, were talking about before the rise of Skywalker. How I said, why don't they do it in a lightsaber battle? And then we get. Boom, Rise of Skywalker, they do it in the lightsaber battle, which I thought was so necessary and a great way to kind of build on that, where it's like, use the force in all aspects of your battle. <laughs> and Rey does it in Rise of Skywalker really well, Is again, like when she battles uh, the Emperor's like new royal guards, the different ones that kind of surround her, she does like throw their blaster bolts like at each other, and it's really cool. Uh, and that kind of manipulation of the force is, that opening scene is so menacing. Similarly, uh, I've always um, disliked Yoda turning on his lightsaber, though I think it's cool to see. I, I just think it kind of is a little bit antithetical to the character. But I think it would be really awesome if we finally see him in combat with uh, Darth Sidious at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And Darth Sidious was attacking him with a lightsaber. And Yoda was only offensively, not defensively, uh, using just the force power of his hands to push the lights, the, like the blade off. So it's not touching him, but similarly to how Kylo can stop a blaster shot in the air, maybe so can Yoda stop the lightsaber. I always thought that would be a cool yeah. way for them to to battle. It's just, it's one of those great moments where you're, yet again, you're like, oh, the force can do that. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you look at it and say, well, of course it can do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's one that's one of those things that it's like, well, of course it can. There's no reason it shouldn't. Uh, but such a great moment because it's kicking off The Force Awakens in a way that's showing this is a badass. It is a very terrorist-like opening to The Force yeah, Awakens. That, that opening is a, is a great setting to yeah. to just show who this character is and the ability. It, it really starts off perfect. Yeah, best scene with Poe, too. Like Poe Poe just is a character that goes downhill from the start of that movie. He's got a great opening, great scene with Finn. Then we think he dies, and then he comes back to life, and well, they intended to kill him and keep him dead. But it's just that interesting. It gets you so engaged by, like, okay, we got we got the, the hotshot character. We've got this new Sith. We've got him doing new Force powers. It was just a great reward for the first, like, 10 minutes. Do you think we don't see those type of Force powers being used because we the Jedi have lost that that part of the force combined with like the 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 training of combat together uh, absolutely to be honest actually what i was going to mention uh, as a kind of as colin was talking there i was thinking about kind of exactly what you were saying my guess is the reason as to why it kind of faded out would be because if it was a common tactic used you'd be fucked if you were up against a dual wielder so mm. if somebody is using two lightsabers you can't start trying to block one of them and then fight with the other that's like gonna get cumbersome and crazy and so there's an element of dueling that um it would make sense to use a lightsaber and you have a connection with your lightsaber you have a force connection so it, you're it, it it makes sense it's doing what you want it to do in probably mm -hmm. the right and safest way 
uh, without getting a bunch of burns and probably wearing yourself out because it would also probably be pretty exhaustive. I well, would I would think, and that comes back to, I would think with uh, duel of the fates. I mean, when you guys have mentioned a, either last, uh, last show or a couple, a couple of shows before is that no one had seen a Sith for like a thousand years. Mm, yeah. So Jedi training for dueling would be probably at the very, very bottom. Yeah. And to have, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan just suddenly they jump into it, it would be very exhausting to think about anything other than trying to survive, than, let alone use the Force. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. And, and also, um, let's not uh, forget the other great moment of that Kylo scene is the sister moment where he releases the blaster yes. shot. Like after after you kind of forgot that it was suspended, it's been it's been suspended in midair for all this time, and then after the confrontation, it just finally goes, it cracks off, <laughs> yeah, scares and, the stormtrooper. Yeah, it's yeah. oh, it's just it's it, it really illustrates how much new power this new villain has in this new Star Wars, and it really sets a great tone. Uh, Ross, I believe it's your turn for number three. Yes, uh, and this one. Um... I, this one I'm, I'm gonna guess somebody else is probably gonna have but uh and that's why you fail um and that would be yoda raising the x-wing from the swamp so that's uh do you want to talk about that now if it's I, I, yeah we can talk about it now yeah it comes up at my number two slot Same. yeah okay yeah. You're, number, you're number two you're number, number two. two we can wait and do another one if you guys if a couple people have it at two or okay yeah let's sure. do let's do it next round okay um yeah. So Jason, what's your number yeah, three? My number three. Uh, so this is a love-hate moment for me, but I'm, I put it as my number three because in my head, it's it can be so much more. <laughs> uh, um, is the connection between, not the connection, but the description that uh, Luke is describing about the Force to uh, Rey. And she's going through the that that cut back on the in the movies where oh, it's, yeah. the flower blossoms and it zones in on everything and it, it's kind of the f- I've always wanted it to happen. I've always wanted that scene to happen earlier on so we could see what the force is from a viewer's perspective. And this is kind of the first time that I got to see it. I wanted it to be a little more fine tuned than just like na- a nature clip, but I wanted. It was it, it, like that's where I struggle between. It was so cool because we could actually see what she was seeing of what the physical force would be, but I wanted it to be a little bit more. It, so take that away. <laughs> There's a love hate one that I actually dropped out of my list because of similarly the way mm-hmm. you're describing that. But I think there's a huge level of importance in being able to kind of actually get a visual representation of the way that the force is being experienced by somebody right. not so much a visual representation of what the, the force is or even its description because we get that from obi-wan the very first time we hear about the force right but it's really nice to be able to kind of see it through her eyes and get taken on a tour around the island yeah everything uh, slows down and, what, and you what can she's kind of, feeling yeah you know? so it's not really like a necessarily like it's not a force power but it's a use of the force it's just like like almost like a like what's your force um, realization or force yeah. meditation or force yeah. in the now sort of yeah. like what's uh what are you touching what what is impacting the world around you right now what is the cycle well I love this addition to the list because it it really uh, highlights the fact that this whole conversation is a little futile because the force is literally everywhere and and in in everything so like anything in star wars can have the force in it and and this is kind of the scene that identifies that it's a very artsy scene which kind of stands out in star wars and ryan johnson's kind of like artistically different from other star wars directors and not in a bad way no i thought it was a great 
addition. Yes, I mm. love it. And, and another thing that I think Star Wars directors are constantly making an effort to do, and I think this is a good thing, is remind uh, a certain uh, contingent of the fan base that Star Wars is, or the Force is more than just lifting rocks, as mm-hmm. Ray says. Like it's not just being able to be good with a lightsaber and convincing people of stuff by waving your hand around. It, that's where I was when I was building the list. What I mentioned before is, yeah, the action is great, mm-hmm. and, the, and the lightsabers is great, and the the blocking the blasters great. But from coming from from a different perspective, and the meditation, and and the Yoda training, and and the force is way more and this is kind of my when i saw this scene i was like wow yeah i can like you get the whole setup of what the force could be and how your introduction to somebody's first meditation in the force it not the first meditation but like her ray's first meditation yeah yeah okay well uh we kind of just skipped over this but we might as well go back to it you can finish your thoughts on on yoda and the x-wing because that's your yeah. your number two or my number, number three, three. Okay, it's my number two, and that's what's next. So, so yeah. Why not okay, cool. Her? So, yeah, Yoda yeah. in the X Wing. This is just such an incredible moment, and like that is why you fail not understanding Luke being totally confused as to what the point of the Force is. This being after he enters the cave and he's standing upside down. We're getting introduced to all these elements of the Force. He has his realization that Han and Leia are going to be in trouble, and Yoda's telling him not to go. And there's all these things, but at the end of the day, Yoda allows him to make his own decision. And also shows him that wars not make one great. Judge me not by my size, do you? And Luke's been lifting rocks, but the little green guy can lift the mm-hmm. whole fucking X-Wing out of the water. And it's stuck. And it is like, there's no, there's nothing here. It's a complete failure. There's You have no chance of getting off that rock. Luke is stuck there, but... Not in Yoda's eyes. Yoda's able to see the the forest for the trees, per se, and it really inspires that great moment in The Rise of Skywalker, uh, which makes which is a really great use case, because they tease it in The Last Jedi and really wrap that up, which is one of the few use cases of really kind of drawn back on something in that sequel trilogy. But this is such an important moment in The Force, and it's just Force telekinesis again, but The Empire Strikes Back, Yoda, that entire sequence. There's not a whole lot else to say, but it it's one of the few things... That. Such a great teaching moment. Yeah, it just it's when you think of the force, it's one of those few things that is just like a staple moment. That's almost what immediately you think of. Yep. It's a really interesting um choice narratively, because so rarely do you get an opportunity to get ahead of the hero in your story. And and what's so great mm. about that line, which we've discussed before, that's why you fail. I don't believe what I'm seeing. That's why you fail. Mm. Well, in that moment, Luke might not be convinced of everything he's seeing before his eyes, but you, the audience, are. You're yeah. like, okay, all this stuff they've been talking about, and I've seen the Force in a couple mm-hmm. of weird little ways I haven't totally understood for the last movie and a half, and now I've just seen this weird little guy who I was meant to underestimate lift an X-Wing out of despondence, mm-hmm. out of the murky depths of I've failed, and now I believe that this is the path, and hopefully our hero catches up soon. And so it's it's a really exciting uh, turning point for you, the fan of Star Wars, because suddenly you're like okay, good can happen and and uh, wisdom can prevail. And it's it's just, it, it opens up so many doors in Star Wars. And uh, also uh, on our music episode, we discussed how mm-hmm. triumphant the scoring is in this sequence. Oh, Perfect movie yeah. moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. Uh, Michael, your number two, please. So that was your number two? Yes, sir. Okay. My number two, uh, I think we touched on it before. Um, the 
the projection of Luke across the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, My number two as well. So, Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, again, a, a power we, um, skill we've never seen. Um, nobody, I don't think many people saw it coming at first unless no. you were really paying attention to the details, but, uh, you know, and, and a very Jedi like, uh, way, uh, to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, a complete, non-offensive moment uh but yet a teaching moment for kylo with a little bit of i gave luke a little bit of like cockiness which is i didn't i don't know if luke would actually kind of i don't know but again i like that i like that moment it was your number two as well jace no that was my uh six Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It was my number four. Is it on your list as well, Ross? Yeah, it's my number two. So it's, it's on everybody's list. We all agree this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's a good moment. Yeah, it's an incredible <laughs> moment. It's Luke showing that, okay, I've been in like forced retirement, but this is the most powerful thing you will ever see. This is me not just like I'm projecting across the galaxy to be completely present to where you are. Uh, this is not just having a kind of a conversation back and forth like you guys have been having throughout this movie. I'm going to make it seem like I am right there. And the fact that he's interacting, it is like it's a force ghost pre-force ghost. Uh, it is Luke it is Luke becoming one with the force in the physical realm while he's still there. It's like this kind of early moment where he's using all of his energy to do it. And in doing so, he lets the entire rebellion get free. And as a result of that, it's the the spark of hope to light the, the flame that lights the galaxy and allows it to. It's the most obnoxious line ever. That, but and that movie has a handful of them, but it also has some of the greatest moments in Star Wars because it's showing kind of this imagination that like, none of us could have expected that, like you said. And I mean, some people did notice when they saw the footprints, sort of thing, because there right. is some emphasis there. I was very confused as to what the Graflex, like how that was still there. I didn't understand that, but I figured they would. They were going to tell it to me. And you I know, wasn't 100% sure that it was fully broken forever at that point. And, and when when he did have the Graflex, I mean, there was a moment where you thought, where's his green lightsaber? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But also, why does he look younger? Did he get cleaned up so much? So oh, he, he cut his hair before he came on this journey. Well, that's actually yeah. what I assumed it was. I assumed right. it was like it was him deciding, okay, no, I'm done being a hermit. I'm going to kind of clean up and become a Jedi again. But he has that beautiful moment with Leia. Uh, and Poe realizes what the hell's going on when no one else does, which is really quite cool. And Leia realizes when she when he kisses her forehead. Surely yeah, that's her knows. finding out he's not here. Yes. Well, uh, the great one is the 3PO wink as well. Yes. Because 3PO is a droid, and I imagine he, like, like 3PO can see something isn't Yeah, he, heat sensors or something. Yeah, he yeah. is also probably not seeing Master Luke in the same way that he would normally see master luke or something makes sense like you said like the heat signature of some sorts i Uh, thought about this structurally like i always do (laughs) and i was thinking if this if this trilogy uh aimed to mirror the original trilogy of star wars not not to say that it did in particular in ryan johnson's um uh movie um they did still require a ball busting twist at the end of the middle movie okay and and like that's what we got in uh, Empire Strikes Back, and that's what we get here as well. Something that involves Luke Skywalker in the final confrontation that actually like completely like changes the way you've been watching this movie. They've been telegraphing it since the start of this movie by kind of introducing to us this astral projection thing or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And uh, on top of that, it, it like all good movie twists, it just kind of like enriches future viewings. You watch mm. that sequence now like a, a little bit differently. You notice that his foot doesn't move the salt. Uh, Ross, like you mentioned, like his hair, like that's very clever that they decided to depict him in how Leia last remembered him. It's how Kylo last remembered him. Oh, Kylo too. Sure. Yeah. yeah younger it, and... He's there to specifically his image is him looking younger, holding the Skywalker saber and Kylo can't even touch him. Mm. It's like literally he can't touch him. And until... as nice as that is to see Luke with the graphics. I would have loved to have seen his green again. I yeah, everybody green, loves man. the green, but it's there. It's it's a taunting moment. It's it's the no, it's, the, I, it's I, the last thing Kylo wants to see. And I completely understand that. I'm just mm. saying that's and and it yeah. should be that way. But on a side note, I still would like to see Luke's <laughs> green lightsaber again. Yeah. We we get one movie. No, so, I agree. There's too much of an obsession with the the fucking a, blue lightsabers quick, in this. Yeah. A quick movie. flashback. Yeah, yeah, and that's my only issue with we were discussing earlier when. Uh, kylo receives ray's lightsaber and there's just two blues there and it's like i know one of them's leia's and i get that that makes more sense canonically but like you're right we were sorely lacking green lightsabers in this trilogy the the two the two blues at the end is blues boring we made that i think pretty clear in the lightsaber episode (laughs) again i think sorry i know you love blue but no but i i think ross what he was saying on the last i think it was the last episode uh it would have been great to see the blue and ray's yellow it would have yeah. been however jj's blue boner was through the roof for rise <laughs> right. of skywalker but it just like there's no reason why she couldn't have had her she yellow sh- she should have had her new lightsaber i 100 percent agree um for the start of the movie because oh from the very start yeah, yeah don't give us just one ignition of it which is like so darth maul from solo let me turn on my lightsaber yeah. for the fans <laughs> so ross uh luke appears from across the galaxy is your number two it is my number two yes so jason we move to your number uh, two well, uh, my number two was the uh, yoda's x-wing we talked on last time oh okay so now we're moving into number ones number is that ones. right that's number yeah. ones now uh i did have a uh, a, a guess that there's a ch- there's a chance that we could all have this as our number one and there's still a chance that we could. I don't think so. Okay. I think I know what your number one is. My number one is my number one with such a fat bullet. It's not even close. This I think is... I think I know what your number one is, and I so think I'm mine, really I think mine will partner with it quite nicely. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so my my favorite moment in which the the, the force is used in Star Wars. I have neglected uh, the the sequel trilogy a lot in this new iteration of our podcast. We've talked about the oh, the sequel well. trilogy a lot tonight. By the way, yeah. like there's like a lot of good uses of the force. It is in the sequel trilogy. Um, indeed, my favorite use of the Force ever has to be from The Force Awakens when the Graflex lightsaber flies out of the snow at Starkiller Base, whooshes past Kylo Ren's face, and lands firmly in Rey's hand. This moment, oh my god, it's so great. It, like, it, it, it's kind of when, um, when the, not just when the Force awakens, it's when the Skywalker Force awakens. And two movies later, they kind of backwardly create this, uh, spiritual arc where ray is a skywalker and so i guess it works that it came to her because it knew that she would be a skywalker but also um this is kind of luke's first big what that that's not a knock on you that's a knock on like sure she became a skywalker <laughs> well she did but my, my the point i was going to make yeah. is that it is also luke's first big successful moment with with the lightsaber, that very lightsaber, right. in fact, is when it gets yanked out of the snowbank in a in a previous movie. Uh, and so yeah. Yeah. it's just, I, I don't have all my thoughts together on this one, actually. I just know that in that moment, if not before, although a little bit before, um, Star Wars is back, baby. We yeah. just saw Han get taken down. I'm emotionally raw. <laughs> very true. This new hero yeah. rules. 
this new villain rules and we're in it <laughs> yeah the opportunities were endless yeah. and this was like a, a sincere high point it's one of the all-time great duels in star wars for sure and again to to compliment adam driver yet again he is every bit of half of this scene chaos surrounds them as the the base starts to collapse um and, and it, it's kind of when the lightsaber starts to have a life of its own mm. uh, just yeah. a, a beautiful That's moment good, good pick debatably yep. um the most underrated lightsaber fight in star wars in my opinion yeah because it does not get the due, I would say, that it deserves. I love how raw it is. There are weirdly few outdoor lightsaber battles. Yeah. yeah. And it's just such a it's such a hack and slap. Like Kylo's injured, Ray doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Mm. And it's just they're chasing each other like cat and mouse. It's fantastic. Do you remember how you felt when you when you saw the sequence, Michael? Oh, I love the sequence. Um uh, again, yeah, I agree. It's very raw. It shows uh someone who's trained but injured and someone who is is starting to feel the force and can kind of find her way around enough to to deal with it. Um, I didn't quite understand the Finn part of it, um, how he could kind of deal with Kylo, but... Um, He's a soldier. Yeah, you, just, you think, you know, Kylo is still trained... He, he yeah, and he's injured. He, he, he was, is he injured, was injured yeah. and so he, he he hit him. He, he cut him twice. Yeah, he he and he's but like kind of dancing around. It he, was, he, he makes him his bitch. The one good thing, <laughs> <laughs> the one good thing about the scene is uh, I do really like the lighting mm. uh, with the the lighting of the sabers in the in the woods. Yeah. I really like that. It looks incredible. I believe it's actually the first time they ever used actual um, stunt lightsabers in. Uh, any scene in a Star Wars movie. Every time prior to that, it was just a hilt with a metal pole. Uh, and they actually used to have like a, a pole straightening machine because they would bend so much. Oh. They'd have to like stick them in and then they would like in the, the pole. But we do there. see lightsaber lights, you know, with Count Dooku and Obi-Wan oh, yeah, in the dark. They, so, they, you know, they, they had do, some sort of. Yeah, they show them. But in terms of uh, the reason as to why the lighting looks so good is because, because it's, 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 actual... it's actually there. They really, and then they... Okay add obviously way more effects in yeah. after but it, it does give such a, a a real warmness to the light that you it can does. see on the other character and it just it connects it all together and then when ray first ignites that graflex the blue shines so bright oh and we got trees going down she's terrified she doesn't know what's gonna happen snow i I really love that there's like a lightsaber fight happening in the snow and it's just uh, i think it's a really yeah well like in in lightsabers they're they're touching snow they're probably you know a thousand degrees or more and yeah it's it's melting snow it's taking it like as it should be you know a lightsaber if it hits the ground should just go right Right through. Isn't it interesting, though, that I, I, su- I surprised myself when I arrived at this conclusion today, and I arrived at it pretty firmly. I was like, as soon as I thought of that, I was like, oh, no, that's my favorite. I frigging love that moment when it lands in her hand, and then the camera pans to her, and yeah. she's just kind of standing there like, oh, my God. <laughs> Wasn't I just on Jakku? Like, it, that is that is so exciting. But it's it's interesting that this this trilogy that we've, like, kind of litigated and torn apart, and I love them. And I love this movie the most, but like it's interesting that my favorite didn't come from like an original Star Wars movie. Michael, what is your favorite uh, Force moment? Uh, favorite Force moment has to be a classic. Uh, you already touched on it. It's the uh, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an introduction to the Force where, you know, I, I don't even know if there is a moment of the Force before that where we're watching and uh, just maybe force choke vader, vader might yeah. be them but the, the force you're right it might be the first one but yeah. uh you know oh wow what what is what's going on like this guy can just 
wave his hand and completely mind trick somebody. I mean, it, you, you leave that scene going, huh? Mm-hmm. What? What is? What? What is this? What can he do? Yeah. Only the weak of mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Watto. That's well, right. well, he's a, it's because he's a Toydarian. He's weak of mind, <laughs> and and it is something they've returned to again and again. Qui Gon does it to Boss Nass. Yeah, Ray uh, does it to Ray does uh, it to multiple stormtroopers, storm mm-hmm. and that's always gratifying. Uh, death sticks, lest we forget. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna go rethink your life. <laughs> no, it's just like it's just a baller move, if a little unethical. Do you think force persuasion is unethical? Ooh, that's a good question. Stealing free will from these poor stormtroopers who are just doing their jobs. Yes, but they're not doing the will of the force. I guess and the force true. does not give a shit about Okay, law. death sticks guy. Is that a is that is that <laughs> No, that is Obi-Wan taking it too far. That's him pushing his agenda. It's very judgmental, isn't <laughs> it? And that's that's because the prequel Jedi are not there should be doing a story. things the way that they should be. That's, there should be a story of that guy and where he is now. <laughs> his name is Elon Sleaze Bagano. <laughs> He works for Galactic Philip Morris, and he just sells death sticks. Yep. <laughs> That's a great one, Michael. That is like, like it's I said a, it's before, a classic. Moment. It is a classic. One yeah, the I think it's a top five most iconic Star Wars line. Yeah, it was oh. my uh, that one and the Mudhorn were dancing for my six, and so I, I kind of thought you guys were gonna have some more of that one. So I did the Mudhorn. I was surprised that you had there. But Ross, was I right to suspect your number Hells one? Hell's yes, you were. This is not even close. It is Luke upside down barely conscious, completely going to be somebody's lunch, and there is nothing left for him, but, oh, wait, that's my lightsaber in the snow. Can I reach it? No. But the Force can. Every single day of my life, (laughs) without exception, I try to replicate this moment. That's psychotic. Now, am I saying I'm trying to do? No, but if something is out of reach and there is never a day in my life in which something's not like slightly out of reach, my mind immediately goes to, can the force? Is it within reach of the force? (laughs) Maybe this one time. Growing up, I mean, Empire was always my favorite and we're Canadian and so snowbanks were always a big thing. We always played outside with our sabers and what did we not have the capability of doing with like a good durable saber? You can't fully collapse it. You can't have your hills. But what we could do is stick the entire fucking thing in the snow. <laughs> yeah. And so it just looked like it was <laughs> the hills. Pretty cool. And then you can pull it out and boom, there you go. It was the most um, put you in the movie moment in Star Wars. It was the thing that still makes me feel like a kid the most of everything, even lightsabers, uh, because it is a lightsaber moment. But it's the fact that it's the force and a lightsaber and our character with all of the odds stacked against them in this like completely new surrounding Star Wars taking this totally different turn, uh, but really saying, okay, you saw what we did in the first movie. The Force is so, so, so much more. This movie is going to take you in so many different directions, and this is just the entry point to it. And um, it's easily a top two moment in Star Wars for me. Uh, I just, uh, just absolutely love this, Luke. I don't know why he doesn't stay in the cave because it seems warmer there and he ultimately just goes out into the wilderness and That's has to get point. saved by Han. Um, <laughs> but he kills the Wampa and probably could have eaten the Wampa uh, if he needed to have some food. Um, but the Wampa is a scary fucking puppet. And uh, Luke just chops his arm off. It's uh, it's a kind of a hokey scene the way that the arm falls off. 
Um, but it's just such a cool use of the lightsaber. It's such a swift moment and Great just makes use. me feel like a kid still. Yep. And also, uh, it's the first time that Luke shows any kind of faith in the Force. I know mm-hmm. he's still got a ways to come, and the thing with the X-Wing happens later, and he's still not like a fully-fledged believer in what he's about to learn. Well, but like, Death Star. Sure, I guess. Without the targeting uses, computer on. He uses the Force then, too. But, yeah. But this is where he closes his eyes, and he, mm-hmm. he actually considers, maybe there's something to this business. Maybe mm-hmm. I, can, I can use this power they say I maybe have. Ben. And then moments later, he, he of course, uh, runs into the ghost of Ben. A wonderful one. Jason, your favorite moment of the force. <laughs> it's, it'll be it might be a controversial one, um, if for the for the diehards, but uh touching on opening kind of stepping back and just thinking of what my favorite moment is quickly and not going in. I could have thought about this over and over and over and over again and I could have got into the weeds, but I just wanted to first thing that came to mind, my favorite force moment, uh, and touching based on what Ross said when we were kids was Phantom Menace battle scene with Darth Maul. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. Could be a little hokey. If you start looking into it, who knows? But if you just... The the way that that scene and that episode formed my childhood and we knew every move to that fight scene and that was kind of the doors opened. You haven't seen a Sith in there. You didn't even know what it was and all of a sudden it unravels and they're not trained to fight Sith, but they're fighting Sith and they're doing a pretty good job. Not a great job, but... Um, it's just the whole scene and the music and it's very Star Wars, my, it's very Jason Star Wars childhood and it's something that'll stick with me forever. I wish you didn't feel like you had to apologize for the now because <laughs> it's obviously one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars. We've talked a lot about, uh, the Duel of the Fates lately in particular. Can you pinpoint a specific moment in it where the force is handy? Um, a leap it's or a little bit, the it, best, the end. It could be, yeah, the end, the leap in the end, but it, it's it's the fighting. I think the, in general, it's the uh, Darth Maul using the force to move the droid to open the doors and, and he's fighting and everybody's in this whole separate world where nothing else matters, but there's just force becoming left, right and center and mm. you're on a different plane where no nothing else matters, but there's more than just a fight going on. There's this fight of the force going on and there's it, it's just such a great, fun Mm. heavy and and light and i don't know it's everything for me so and i I read an article today saying that the duel of fates couldn't have happened uh without heavily heavy use of the force Mm. the the just the the speed alone Mm. oh yeah absolutely they use force speed they use force jump a few different times obi-wan gets knocked down a few levels uh darth maul uses force push a few different times the best i love the force pull at the end when then force leaps Mm. up but then Force pulls Qui Gon's saber in that one swift motion. That flip is that's just so the, fucking the badass. The focus, uh, Colin, you're saying what's the one of the pinpoint and the force is Obi Wan after Qui Gon gets struck down. Yeah, is that his focus of mm-hmm. the fight with Darth Maul? You're right. Cut he gets the lightsaber twenty percent faster. Go, go. Yeah, and it's just that's pure force taking over. He's in it. He's he knows what he needs to do. And yeah, that's it. That was. And did that not um, count? by the council as basically Obi-Wan, this has made you a master. You've defeated yeah. the first Sith in a thousand y- generations. That's exactly what happened. You don't have to do the trials. Like, you, you're a master. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, mm. absolutely. He, it, it was, uh, okay, he, this is like your, this is, you just killed Osama bin Laden sort of thing. You're, this is. Yeah, there's it, no trial that's yeah. too yeah. hard for you. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you passed the test because let's face it, if you're the only one who's killed a Sith of all of us, shouldn't you be the one writing the tests now? Or... 
at least informing us on on certain capacities and the way he did it uh and having to take over for qui-gon in the same vein is also certainly part of it um but it was uh it was the trials for obi-wan to a degree or certainly part of them I guess, but, you know, I actually think, and I think that's cool, and I think that's just, obviously, that he wasn't forced to go through all of the other rigmarole, and he was kind of fast-tracked <laughs> to being a master. Of course, that makes sense logically, but if you look at who the council was at this time and how rigid they were and stuck to their friggin' ways, I'm a little surprised they made an exception yeah. for him. Like, if I were to argue myself off death row, they wouldn't give me a legal degree because there are channels you're supposed to go through, and maybe that's bullshit, but I think it's kind of big of them to allow that. Well, Qui-Gon had given him the kind of, uh, had given him the thumbs up for the promotion, had told the council, uh, I want to graduate Obi-Wan so I can take Anakin as my apprentice. Um, yeah, and he, then he's ready. He's ready. Uh, and then uh, he's ready to face the trials, specifically. I am ready to face the trials. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan have that conversation at the end of the movie, where Obi-Wan is convincing him. He's like, I will train the boy. And uh, Yoda's like, Ugh. Fuck, stupid Qui-Gon is going to die on me. I could have argued with him, but now Obi-Wan did the right thing. And really, what am I supposed to say? Oh, no, you didn't, uh, you know, Qui-Gon didn't live. And maybe you're not ready to raise Anakin, but you did kill goddamn... Like, he's not in any position. He's got nothing. Like, Obi-Wan, like, holds all the cards and unfortunately not enough uh, experience to be the one to train Anakin. And wasn't this the nucleus of our little group's love of Star Wars? This scene was really mm -hmm. what it all revolved around. Yeah, well, I think we knew every... We've played the scene out with our broomstick handles just over and over and over again. And <laughs> we painted them up and we knew every move to that scene. And Minus the one part where two lightsaber blades touch the ground and don't cut through it. Ooh, a little, that is true. A little issue, a little problem? Yes. Okay. No, one, no one's ever seen that? What do you mean? Uh, Obi-Wan's lightsaber and Darth Maul's, uh, when they're, before the part where basically Qui-Gon face slaps Darth Maul so he falls down on his back, when they're up on that upper uh, platform next to the energy beam, mm -hmm. um, and Darth Maul does like a reverse kick towards Obi-Wan, mm -hmm. at that moment in the frame, Obi-Wan, you can see Obi-Wan's lightsaber and Darth Maul's, they touch the platform and just kind of bounce like a pole would. Oh, they, do, really? they don't make a mark. They don't go in. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Well, they were bound to have one. It's very, spot. very quick. But if you're watching <laughs> for it now, you'll notice it. Hey, you used to watch that fight scene We've alone watched. on repeat. <laughs> and that's sad that I know that. <laughs> uh, a similar motion to um, when Obi-Wan's hanging on that light fixture, flies up and manages to catch the... The lightsaber, which is also then coming at him, it's like this kind of like collaboration of a bunch of different force motions all at once, mm. which results in him being a badass. Uh, something I left off my list, although I, I did put it on my long list just because it's a great moment. It's not that sig significant, but it's a great moment is Return of the Jedi when Luke does the same thing and he jumps off the gangplank at uh, Jabba's little raft flings himself back up and catches his own lightsaber which r2 has tossed at him a lot of the the beats are the same there and it's i mean it's a more rock starry moment yeah it's a cooler moment but less force though no less force for sure but acrobatics are, are definitely present in there and yes. there's, there's yep. something forceful about that yep. i don't want to i don't want to linger too much on on our uh or any backups that you might have left off because it's blazing hot in this room true and we've been talking for a long time but anything else you you think we'd be remiss not to mention in this discussion about the force ross yeah so just a couple ones i'll quickly go through them uh because we did hit on a lot of the amazing honorable mentions uh luke surviving his fall in empire 
after getting his hand cut off and surviving the giant fall down the pit. That's amazing use of the Force, the fact that he didn't die. And Leia knowing where he was purely just by the Force and their sibling relationship. Uh, completely, everybody's forgot, uh, so many people forget this moment um, because it doesn't feel like something that is original trilogy-esh, but uh, Saber Throw, when Darth Vader uses Saber Throw against oh, yeah. Luke, uh, oh, yeah. and it kind of like knocks down like scaffolding. It's kind of one of those moments that's just really quick and you don't, it doesn't, it's not filmed great, um, yeah. but is, I think, the only depiction of Saber Throw in a movie, uh, as opposed to a video game, which is like such a common video game tactic. Um, the Force Speed from Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon at the start of The Phantom Menace. I was going to mention that, too. That's an awesome one. Anakin being born of the Force is another very interesting point. That's a, a great one that I never oh, would have yeah. thought of. And another yeah. one relating to young Anakin that you're not inclined to think right away, but not only surviving, but winning the Boonta Eve Classic. There's no way oh. the Force didn't help him. Well, oh my speaking gosh, of yes. that, um, yeah. at the part where Anakin's starting time. to have trouble, uh, and they're watching Anakin on that little tablet. Hmm. In the background, do you notice Qui-Gon, he closes his eyes and starts to meditate. Right. So I'm sure there's some Qui-Gon influence on what's going on there, too. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yep, yep. Um, there's also, this is the one that would have been number four on my list, but we got no payoff. And it was just kind of a slap in the face. And that was Ray's Force Vision. Uh, Ray's Force Vision is so interesting, and it sets up so many uh, mystery boxes in the sequel trilogy and so many questions uh, and then a good half of those scenes don't make any sense because they just abandon storylines and just decided to do different things. Um, and it's really, it becomes from being one of the most interesting uh, to, being, biggest letdown. to being abstract in incorrectly. It's, it's not abstract and like it, it's supposed to have a deeper meaning. It's abstract that is supposed to have follow-up and it doesn't have follow-up. So it's, it goes from being incredible to being the biggest slap in the face to Star Wars fans uh, who really liked to analyze what they were presented. Some people like to say, oh, stop being mad about what uh, they didn't give you and just like what you got to see. I did like what I saw. And then they didn't give me an ending to it. Mm -hmm. And so like that's that was one that was really a, a piss off. Uh, Baby Yoda healing grief karga. Uh, Chirrut being able to see through the force. Uh, that's a really cool one it as is. well. Um, and then, uh, I mean, if you're talking about Rogue One, uh, oh, Vader's killing spree. The, the Vader scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like th holding the guy up to the ceiling. That's amazing. Yes. Um, and then, I mean, th this movie's complicated. Ross just mentioned another one. But, I mean, Rey and Ren using the force to fight over the ship until she shoots lightning at it and blows it up. Like, I mean, that's crazy frankly uh, yeah that's it, a cool moment it's yeah. a cool moment i actually think that they got a little carried away with the my force powers can stop a ship from flying away like yoda being able to lift it out of the swamp is supposed to be like this tremendous presentation of of enormous strength and i mm. get that ray and ren are also that strong or stronger but stronger together too stronger together but like it is cool. It's a little ham sandwich, as Ross likes to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it is a cool, a cool moment. I'm surprised uh, no one mentioned healing as a uh, the first time we see in, yeah, the, in the movies. I, I'm not a huge fan of it. No, and and I didn't add it either because I wasn't a huge fan of it. It's a can of I, worms. It's dangerous. It's, da oh, yeah. it's deeply yeah. dangerous, and they've yet to show why it uh, the the reservation of said power or the the limitations of said power. Um, what uh, or in the situations that can constrain its use and there's still so many question marks with that one um then there's also uh han's uh force 
Leia using the Force to remind Ben of Han. Hmm. That's, That's a nice way to describe what happened there. Yeah, it's it's Leia and Ben bringing Han back to life through the Force okay. uh, for him to have that memory sort of to a degree. Um, and then there's an incredible moment uh, in Rebels um, where Kanan, who has gone blind at this point um, in his last moments, uh, is holding back an explosion from uh, a massive weapons factory. Um, and as the final Rebel gets away, he gets his sight back and dies. Do you guys have any more that you think we should have touched on? It's impossible to yeah, see them all. Yeah, there's so many. One of the ones that always stood out to me, the heartbreaking moment, is when Yoda's cane drops. Oh, okay. Yes. And, his, and he grabs his chest and his it's order just like, 60. oh, painful. I call, I call it the Order 66 headache, uh, the Force <laughs> headache that they get. Uh, Ahsoka gets one too in the Clone Wars. It's really powerful the way that they're all able to feel. And yeah. like when Obi-Wan has it in A New Hope even, uh, like, a, like a million voices cried out in terror mm. and then were suddenly silenced. I love that. I kind of wish I'd thought of that. That's a really good one. Yeah, it's yeah. a very uh, interesting one, the way that that impact has in the galaxy. In the same way also when all those like six planets blow up in the Hosnian system. All said and done? Yes. I, I do have my one, I, I didn't do a bottom six, but I do have to say my least favorite use of the Force is how many times Finn is able to break that's not how the Force works in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I got a feeling. Oh, I got that. a feeling. Right. How do you know? I got a feeling. I got a feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Force brought us together. It was the Force. <laughs> <laughs> how did you survive? It's the re Force. Really trying. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's Talk about unfinished stories. Can you do the news for us in under five minutes, my brother? Uh, yeah, there's really not much. Okay. Um, there is D23, which has been scheduled for September 2022, and Star Wars Celebration, which was postponed to August 2022. So we're not going to get a celebration of uh, or a convention highlighting Star Wars uh, for quite a while. It's going to be done through the medium that it is, just online mediums of sorts, but... Uh, that's a that's a ways, and that's usually when they do a lot of big reveals. So my guess is um, they've decided that uh, television they can release snippets on in other ways, but they're gonna kind of hold off on the films. And the entire film slate got bumped back a year, so I think the first one's 2024 now. Mm. Um, and so that gives them a bit of time. But maybe that's an indication that by 2022 we'll we'll have some information on those films for sure. Um, there's also a really cool lightsaber design that kind of went circling around. It's a, a lightsaber from the High Republic. It's a cross guard, but it's kind of a fixed cross guard. If you guys are both shaking your head like you've seen that. So I highly encourage anyone to look that one up. It's really quite cool. And in that design was, well, no, this, this cross guard can fold up yeah. and collapse to be like holster. Plus, your hands are protected from the yeah. blades that are yeah. along the cross guard. It was just yeah. the slickest looking yeah, thing. Yeah, the, the purpose of a cross guard um, in its sword use uh, is still here. And then you, the benefit of a cross guard is a lightsaber getting that kind of extra angle is also here. So it's it's a pretty cool design in that regard. Um, only other things to really say are that uh, Giancarlo or Giancarlo Esposito uh, mentioned that uh, seasons three and four are pretty much coming for Mandalorian. He mentioned things that will potentially happen in them. Wow. Uh, and then that's, that's confirming that they're probably coming. So he's uh, going to be a long-term villain on this show. Yeah. And that, I think that's I think that's great. I mean, six seasons in a movie, maybe, or five seasons in a movie, something said, along those they lines. They said recently that what you'll see big things in 
in season five or six of the Mandalorian or something. He he was saying that uh, so, so three seasons three and four, just in terms of get uh, real answers or something. Yeah, he he was saying, and it, it wasn't so much that uh, this season's going to be a lot of setup, but this season is is going to be a continuation of the journey. It's going to broaden the journey a little bit more, uh, and then it's going to get even bigger beyond that point. And if you watched um, Rebels or Clone Wars. Uh, or Resistance, and I didn't watch Resistance, but apparently it followed that same similar model. They do the same thing, and it's to provide that familiarity with the characters in kind of smaller surroundings, and then you almost build up to uh, film-scale events, things that are uh, far more important to the galaxy as a whole as opposed to just being very important to the characters themselves, which is, I think is a really great way to construct a series. Um, other than that... Uh, Tony Gilroy will not be directing any of the episodes for the Cassian show. Uh, the director, Toby Haynes, from Black Mirror, uh, he won an Emmy for Black Mirror direction. Uh, he's going to be doing uh, the direction on that because uh, Tony Gilroy is stuck in New York and can't get to London. He's still going to be showrunner, though, and writer, uh, but that means we've got a different director for that, so that'll be interesting. And if he knocks it out of the park, then we've got another good Star Wars director, so that's always good. Okay, I just want to wish a happy birthday on Tuesday, September 30th to Jonathan Kasdan and on Saturday, October 3rd to Juno Suotamo, new Baca. Uh, listen, guys, this was a blast. This was so fun. Yeah, I want to thank, thanks Ross. Thank you, Colin, for having me on for the first time. You guys it, did a great job. Thanks, Michael and Jason. Such a good channel for me. I know, Michael, you even know more than me, but for me, who is somebody who comes into this wanting to know more, it's yeah. such a good eye-opener and such a good channel for me and people like me to... Uh, to go back and watch this and, and kind of educate all over again. Take the whole journey again. Yeah. No, yeah. it was awesome. Thanks, guys. Again, my biggest takeaway is the Sith don't want to die and the Jedi just already have that. Like, yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> that's before. fabulous. Yeah. I, I, that's friggin' every week it's a new one. I just love it. Yeah, okay, well, we'll do this again when it's not uh, so hot. We're having like a weird humid uh, at the start of October in <laughs> Halifax. It's so weirdly hot for some reason. Um, okay, uh, in the meantime, uh, if anybody wants to uh, send us their lists of their favorite, top six favorite moments uh, featuring the Force in Star Wars, you can tweet us at Recorder66. You can email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Uh, and until we are together again, may the Force be with you. Thank you.